The Holy Gospel according to John, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, Lord. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were beside the sea, they themselves got into boats and, then, and went to Capernaum to look for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is in him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to Jesus, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom God has sent. So they said to Jesus, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we might see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to Jesus, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you all to be seated. So we have this week the second of, I think it's six weeks of readings from John chapter 6, the bread of life uh, dialogue that Jesus has. And uh, as I'm sure you all heard last week, Jesus fed about 5,000 people. And the people were impressed and they wanted to make Jesus the king. Now there's a history of people feeding groups of people in the Bible. Last week's Old Testament reading had the story of a prophet who who fed a lot of people. And this week's Old Testament reading, we have Moses, who is in the desert with his people, who I sometimes call the first Lutherans because they were complaining. Now, now I know you all don't complain, but some other Lutherans out toward my way in Irmo do. And uh, believe it or not, they're pretty good at it. But we we think about the people who were complaining in the the desert. These are people who were getting the very thing that a lot of us often say. We say, God, if you would only send me a sign, then, you know, I would be able to believe. Or if you send me a sign, then I'll follow you. If you send me a sign, then I'll go to seminary. If you send me a sign, then I promise, and we've all made this promise at some point in our lives, many of us during college, I'll never do that again. You know, and, and there are lots of things that could be. And, and so here were these people of God who had been led out of slavery, literally through waters that were parted. And what are they doing today? Oh, back in Egypt, you know, when we were living the good life in slavery. We, we had bread to eat by the flesh pots and we ate our fill. And here we are out in the desert and we're all about to die. You know, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it have been better just to have remained in Egypt? You know, to my ears, that sounds strange. And, and then I remember I live in South Carolina, and when I walk outside in the middle of the afternoon during August, about 10 minutes later, later when I'm ready to melt, there isn't much that I would give for air conditioning. And so maybe we're not so far removed from those, from those people in that time in the desert after all. And so then God feeds them. God gives them manna, and they're so grateful that when it lands and it appears, they call it 
the translation that my Hebrew professor gave me was, what is this? And they ate the manna and they were fed. Now, fast forward to Jesus' time. And what were the people saying? They're saying, well, Moses fed us in the wilderness. God provided bread. Moses gets the credit. Isn't that the way things work for miracles? And, and so it is that the people come and find Jesus the day after they had been fed with loaves and fish. And Jesus looks at them. And I think this is the moment where, where the ministry of Jesus begins to take a shift. Because up until this moment, for the most part, the gospel of John is Jesus does great things. And everybody's kind of happy about it, right? We think about in John chapter 2, when Jesus turns the water into wine. Of course people were really happy about that. Not only was it wine, but it was the good wine that most people serve first. You know, we, we think about the conversation with Nicodemus, where while Nicodemus doesn't understand what Jesus is saying to him, that in order to serve God, you have to be born a second time. And Nicodemus kind of, kind of lamely says, well, how can I enter back into my mother's womb? I always read that story, leaving with just a little bit of hope that Jesus, in revealing what it means to follow God and what it means to receive this new birth, this birth of the Spirit, this birth of the Word, this, birth that, this new birth that we enter into through the waters of baptism, that hopefully Nicodemus might be getting it because he's a leader of the people of Israel. And I have hope that the leaders of Israel somehow hear what Jesus is saying. You know, we have this feeding of the 5,000, which is miraculous. And as I'm sure the, the pastor last week did a good job of explaining, you know, one of, the, one of the things that made it so miraculous was the fact that bread wasn't always re- readily available and meat wasn't always readily available. And they didn't have refrigerators to keep our good stuff that we keep in it. And so carrying food was a little more tricky. And for them to be able to sit down and be fed by Jesus, it's no wonder they wanted to make him king. Because if this man can provide our food, obviously this man can provide for us those other things that we need as well. And so Jesus retreats. And there's, there's a movie moment that I see here. The movie moment is Jesus and disciples on the other side of the water, seeing the crowds coming on these boats and, and joining them again. And if I were shooting this scene, you'd see, the, you'd see the sun in the background and the boats appearing. And all of a sudden, it would be this great, glorious swell of music because behold, the people have come to find Jesus. And isn't finding Jesus what we're really all here to do? And isn't finding Jesus the thing that, that we all hope for and pray for? And isn't finding Jesus the thing that, you know, if you ask anybody in the South anything about Jesus, a lot of times it's, have you found him yet? And we hear something from Jesus that to me is a little bit surprising. You're not here because you've seen the work of the Spirit. You're here because your bellies are full. And all of a sudden, I think back to that time in the desert where the people made the mistake of thinking the same thing that the people in today's gospel thought, that the miracle is the bread, that the miracle is the multiplication of the loaves and the fish, that that the miracle is that all of a sudden everybody has enough to eat. But I'll tell you, if you're hungry, that is a miracle. But the reason this is a change in the ministry of Jesus is Jesus recognizes the problem that people always have, not just that we think with our stomachs, but 
that we believe more fully with our eyes than we do with our hearts. We're, we're pretty willing to believe the things that we see. We're, we're pretty willing to believe the things that we hear. We're, we're pretty unwilling to follow the path to where that really leads us. Because the real miracle is not that there were bread and fish for people to eat. The miracle is, the, is what happens in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark when Jesus says the time, is, the time is now, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. The miracle is that the kingdom of God is near. That all of a sudden, in a moment where people are hungry and tired and hot, and if they're hungry and tired and hot, then they're probably cranky too. The promise of God is something that is becoming manifest before them because where Jesus is, the kingdom is near. And what does it mean that the kingdom is near? Yes, it means the hungry people are fed. Yes, it means that sick people are healed. Yes, it means water can become wine. Yes, it means that Lazarus will rise from the dead. But the water become wine and the hungry who are fed and the sick people who are healed and even the dead who cannot stay still are not the miracle. The miracle that is the kingdom of God being near is that in God's presence, we matter enough that God meets our needs. We matter enough that the, that the creator of the universe knows who we are enough to know what it is we really need. And it's not the food, it's not the life, it's not the healing, but it's that presence, it's that being known, it's that sense that I am not someone who is by myself. I am not a person without a place. Because what the Israelites were really complaining about, I think, wasn't just that they were hungry, but they were complaining about the fact at least when we were in Egypt, we knew where we belonged. At least when we, had, when we were in Egypt, we knew where we were going to lay our head. At least when we were in Egypt, we understood our place in the world and we might have been slaves, but we knew what that meant and we don't yet know what it means to be God's free people. We don't yet know what it means to be, to be the people who have been led out of slavery. And this wilderness time, as much as it was truly a physical wandering through a physical wilderness, it was also a metaphorical wandering through a metaphorical wilderness because they were trying to understand who it is God was calling them to be. And the reason, I think, that we often make the mistake of thinking that the physical gift of food or of being healed or of being raised from the dead is the miracle is because so often we're still stuck in that wilderness of who am I and what am I about and what is God calling me to do and be and am I really alone? Am I, are the worst things that I worry about myself really the truth that I think they are about me? And when you're a youth, it's a hard question because you don't have enough experience to have answered any of those questions for yourself yet. When you're an adult, it's a hard question because all of a sudden people expect you to know things. When you're an older adult, it's a hard question because you've ended your job. Your kids have moved out of the house. Maybe, maybe you've been single all your life. Maybe you've been married all your life and all of a sudden everything's changed and you don't know what you're supposed to do now. When you're an older person, people think you probably don't matter much anyway and people kind of look over you. And so all these questions about who am I and what am I about? 
are relevant, pressing, deep questions our whole life. And so I think sometimes the reason that we focus so much on my stomach is growling, and the reason we focus so much on, well, I have this new diagnosis, and the reason we focus so much on the things that aren't right and the things that seem to be wrong, and we fuss about what's going on in the world, and we, and we fuss about what's going on in our family, and the reason we continue to find things that just aren't good enough is because there's a place within us that continues to believe that if what's going on in me is like the rest of the world, then the whole world is messed up because what's going on in me is oftentimes pretty stormy and pretty frustrating. And there's a lot of me that wonders, am I really alone as I think I am? So when I say that the real miracle is being known, that the real miracle is hearing that God has a place for us, that the real miracle is that through water and word and spirit, we have been given a new name and a new family and a place where we belong. All of a sudden, maybe we begin to understand what it means that the kingdom of God is near because in the kingdom of God, we are not alone. God is with us. In the kingdom of God, we have a family that is not born of the flesh, which goes away. But we have a, we have a family in God who is born of spirit that will last forever. In the waters of baptism, we put down those things that are perishable and we pick up those things that are permanent because that is what it is when the kingdom of God has come near. We have a glimpse. We have a hope. We have an image of what it means to rest in God in a place where we have a home forever. And not some glad morning when this life is over and we fly away like we sing in the Southern Hymn, but... The good news of what the kingdom of God being near to us is, is that God resurrects us and raises us up and makes the kingdom of God here and recreates this place and recreates us and takes everything that is old and tired and broken and frail and sick and dying and dusty and dirty and gives it new life and new hope and new purpose. So we... We think about what it means that the kingdom of God is near and what it means that these people have received a gift that they don't understand. The gift that is Jesus has given them, not the perishable food, bread that will rot and fish that will, that will rot and, not, and no longer be good, but the spiritual eternal food that begins to feed us in the very places where we feel like we are dead and dying and need this new life of God that only God can give. And the good news of who we are in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as we celebrate the family that God has given us through baptism, as we are nourished by the meal of bread and wine that is the body and blood of Jesus that feeds us so that we might live into this new identity as God's children, as, as we think about what it means to be the church, as we lift each other up and hold each other in our times of trouble, in our times of joy. As we pray for each other when we're sick and we care about each other when we're well. As, as we raise up children and as we bury those who have died. What it means to be a part of the kingdom of God is we are a people who know that we have a place. And we have been called to share that knowledge, that good news of God's love, God's welcome, God's home, God's promise with the world around us. Because if there's anything that I know about the world that I live in right now is it is starving 
to hear the good news that this world is not the bad place that we all think it is, but that this is the world that God has died and been raised to recreate with a new promise and a new hope and a new opportunity to live as God's people and to live into the promise that the kingdom of God is near. How is it that we, as we go from this place, we live out this holy mission that God has given us to be the proclaimers of God's good news, to be the bearers of God's kingdom, to, to be the ones who provide for the, word, the world the food and the drink, the body and the blood, the promise and the presence that God has for it? Who are the people in your life who you know who are lonely and broken and need to know that they're loved and that they have a place? Who are the people in your community who are hungry and who are homeless and who need shelter and clothing and need to know that God has called you to be someone to provide that? And sometimes that you is, is me and God's calling me to be part of that presence. Sometimes that you is the congregation and God is calling us to be that presence. Sometimes that you is how do we do this in our community through the different programs we support. But know that however it is that as you search your heart and see in your life that God is putting this calling on you, that you are a part of this new kingdom that God is calling us into. And not only are you a part of this new kingdom that God is calling this world into, but remember in those moments where your heart is broken and bleeding and you worry that there's nothing that might, have, might never live there again. That God has a place for you too. That the miracle isn't that their bellies were full. The miracle is that God called them in, into the presence of God. And taught them who they were. And gave them a place where they recognized that their name is beloved. And that it matters that they were there. Amen.